greatest guy you want as a friend. Clarky kind of stood over him and said, boy, it's really tough to fight when you're talking, isn't it? Anybody tell you when he passed out on the bench? When he looks at you through his eyebrows, you're in big trouble. That's one of the things that you knew, identified you as a Long Islander. Someplace along the line, you met Clark Gillies. The one thing that I need you to just say is that he's one of the greatest human beings that I have ever met, uh, Nystrom said. Newsday presents the Island Ice Podcast with Andrew Gross. And welcome to Island Ice, Newsday's New York Islanders podcast, episode 124, which will be devoting to Clark Gillies, uh, the Hall of Fame power forward who passed away because of cancer on Friday at the age of 67. We'll be sharing some memories of Clarky and celebrating his well-lived life. I'll be talking to two of Clark Gillies Islanders teammates, Brian Trottier and Chico Resch, and also I was able to chat with former Newsday reporter and columnist Mark Herman, who will share his insight on Clark Gillies. And when talking about Clark and, and to honor his memory, I think Brian Trottier did put it in the best perspective. He said, the best way to honor Clark Gillies is to live your life exactly the way he lived his, which is living each day to the fullest, appreciating each day to the fullest, and appreciating each interaction you have to the fullest. And anyone who has ever met Clark, either through a lasting relationship or just for a fleeting moment, was struck by Clark's easygoing, humble manner, his his sense of humor for sure, uh, definitely his quick smile and the emotions he displayed, how deeply he cared about people, particularly on Long Island and through his Clark Gillies Foundation to help children in need. If if all of us were one half of who Clark Gillies was, just think about what an amazing culture we, we could really have. And uh, I was thinking, I, I emceed a Newsday Live event in 2019 about the Islanders' Cup years, and, and Clark Gillies and Butch Goring were on the panel. And I, I'll tell you, I thought I was nailing my job because the conversation and the laughs and the stories were flowing so easily. But it, it really didn't take me long to realize that it, it was really Gillies and, and Butchie who, who were both natural entertainments, entertainers and so good on the microphone and so good at sharing themselves with the public. That's that's why the conversations and the laughs were flowing so easily, not because I'm a tremendous MC. Um, Clark Gillies' passing became public late Friday night, and I spent the weekend talking to many who knew Clark the best, including Bob Nystrom, Brian Trottier, Chico Resch, Butch Goring, Denny Podfan, Pat Flatley, uh, Islanders co-owner John Ledecky, Artie Torrey, uh, the son of uh, the late Islanders GM Bill Torrey. And, and to say that everybody was absolutely gutted by Clark Gillies' passing is, is an understatement. I know exactly that's how you fans felt as well. And the stories they all shared about Gillies' Uh, you know, both from his teammates and his friends, all, they all highlighted his sense of humor 
and his sense of philanthropy. And if you haven't already, there's a collection of articles either written by me or by Mark Herman, who again will uh, will be a guest on this episode, or, or one from the archives from former Newsday Islanders beat reporter Pat Calabria. Uh, and they are all available at newsday.com backslash aisles and just trying to present a well-rounded picture of Clark Gilley's full life. And, and just to highlight a couple of things from my conversation over the weekend. John Ledecky told a a wonderful story about how meaningful the Islanders alumni were to Clark Gillies and how Clark Gillies treated absolutely everybody equally with and and with respect. And uh, for instance, Peter Mika, um, who was a Czech forward the, the Islanders selected in the fourth round in 1997, and, and Mika uh, played three games from the team from March 21st to March 24th, 2000. He took one shot on net, and he did not record a, a point, and then he left the organization in 2001 to continue his career in his homeland of the Czech Republic. So, you know, uh, fast forward to 2018, and Mika brought his wife and daughters and his in-laws from the Czech Republic to Long Island for for the Islanders' alumni weekend. And uh, Clark Gillies treated Mika like he was a line mate who had won four Stanley Cups with Gillies. Um, And this is... Uh, John Ledecky said uh, Clark was talking to Peter Mika, and at one point Clark hugged him. And Ledecky said Peter Mika turned to Ledecky uh, after uh, Clark Gillies had hugged him, and he said Mika was starting to cry. He was so touched by the fact that he was being recognized as an alumni on the team um, as John said, even though he had only played for a cup of coffee, um, he said Clark Gillies treated Peter Mika um, just like another guy. And, uh, quote, uh, John Ledecky said, that's Clark in a nutshell and what he meant to the team. Um, and when I was talking to Bob Nystrom, who, needless to say, was absolutely broken up by Clark Gillies' passing, uh, Bob Nystrom, you know, emphasized to me that I needed to make one point clear. And and the quote was, the one thing that I need you to just say is that he's one of the greatest human beings that I have ever met, uh, Nystrom said, basically uh, concluding our, our conversation. Um so first, here's my here's my chat with Brian Trottier, uh, who will forever be so closely associated with his line mate Clark Gillies. It's the bullet we don't dodge, but I just think this one was a little early and way too unfair. Yeah, um, yeah. And, but he's got a great wife. He's got three great daughters, and he's got grandchildren. And I'm proud to be his friend probably with one of the greatest friends I've ever had in my life um, he doesn't remember me meeting me um, a long long time ago but I remember meeting him because we played a ball game against each other when he was 17 and I was 15 yeah. and he was on a senior team in Moose Jaw and I was trying out for the senior team in Swift Current um, they were semi-pro teams and I was never going to make the team but mm. I was just there in a tryout and uh, he uh, in the first game he played third base 
and he hit a rope like a line drive out to left field. The second one was a warning track uh, rain maker that I think a lot they lost it in the clouds for about five minutes. <laughs> it was a warning track, and the third one I think is still circling the earth, but it was a three run homer, and <laughs> that thing sailed out of the sailed out of the ballpark. And he was 17. He was a monster of a man. He was a man at 17. I was just this little kid. But um, I sat out the second game. It was a doubleheader. And I sat out the second game. He caught. I don't remember what happened in the second game because I was all pouty because I didn't play. But um, I just remembered that game. And then the following season, when I was 16, I played my first exhibition game against him. He was with the Giant Pats. And I was with the Swiftburn Broncos. And, um he was uh, he was 260 pounds. He was my God. He was just the, the biggest guy, and and I just bounced off him. I hit him as hard as I could. I just I bounced off him. <laughs> yeah. And then the, that season, so I played an exhibition game against him that season. And then that during that season, when I played with just a rookie. Um, I yeah. played with a kid named Ian McPhee. And Ian was, Ian was just a bowling ball. Yeah. He's my right winger and a really good little player in facet lightning. He loved hitting people, tough as nail. Um, and he was, and, and he hit Clarky on one side and I came in and hit Clarky on the other side. And it was like three, three guys, all three of us went down. And we kind of sandwiched him a little bit. And Clarky remembers, remembers that hit, believe yeah. it or not. And, um, we all go down and when I, when I fall down, I'm getting up, I'm face to face with Clarky looking through his eyebrows, like inches away from my face. He's going to rip your <laughs> head off. I'm like, gotta catch me first. <laughs> and I was out of there. Um, <laughs> yeah. and he remembered that hit. Yeah. He doesn't remember saying that to me. He doesn't remember what I said back. We said that, you two little <laughs> if I could have caught you, I would have choked you. <laughs> so I know, cause we weren't very big, but we, we sandwiched you pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. but, uh, to yeah. have one on, on, as your teammate for, I think next 12 years for me um, was was like a bonus because he became a big brother, a big brother I never had. Yeah. Tiger Williams in junior, I had him as a big brother that I never had. I was the oldest uh, boy in our family, so I never had a big brother until I got to junior hockey. Yeah. And then uh, Tiger and then Clark Gillies in the pros, so I lucked out. The hockey gods shine, were shining on me because I had two of the toughest people and two of my best friends. They're two of my best friends ever. Yeah. Like I, I got one of my other best friends fighting for his life up there with Mike Bossy. So this is, he turned 65 yesterday, so I sent him a little note. Yeah, yeah. Through, through his battle, he sent a nice note back saying he'd tell Pam and everybody up. Condolences. You, you brought up uh, Mike's birthday. Just what has this been like for you? You know, because you know about Mike, and and I I understand Clark started getting sick, you know, probably around Christmas time. You know, what, what, what's this like just knowing both these guys are going through this? Well, as I said before, I rattle, rattle the rally. I, 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 I want to make sure that I'm there for, for them, yeah. their families. And for me, it's, it's, I may be right currently, um, the only one not battling something physically, you know, mm. um, but I, I'm proud of Mike swinging as hard as he can, battling as hard as he can. I'm proud of Clarkie. Like, he, he like that's a battle you don't win like yeah. that kind of aggressive cancer but yeah. um he's been battling as, like nobody else for the last several years and you know i i love him for you know always being the guy like he does prostate yeah. i told him when he when he got diagnosed with that prostate i said clark you're, you're my new hero he goes what, what the hell are you talking about i said because if somebody like you can beat this yeah. You are, you are an inspiration to all of us. And he did. 
Yeah. And I was so proud of him. And, uh, you know, when, when we walked together and, you know, I got out of the hospital, I, I said, these first three steps out of this hospital are going to be my three proudest because here's, here's my idol. My, the guy that I hold, you know, to the highest esteem, he just beat something and, uh, you caught it early and now you're, you're going to live and you're for your wife, your family, all of his friends and grandkids and all that stuff. So like he, he was, he, he was a walking inspiration for a whole bunch of reasons. He got that infection in his urine, a uh, mm. tract infection and he and I were both laid up. I had my hip and he was, he was laid up with, with, uh, you know, he couldn't walk there for about six months, but, um, I went and visited him. We were laughing like hell. We were singing songs. I played the guitar. We sang all day and all night. God, we had a blast. Yeah, um, yeah lots of really good memories with that big lug. Health aside, you know, and I know what a, a history you have with him. And, you know, you told me the, uh, the, you know, meeting him playing baseball. But, you know, from your career, does something stand out uh, about, you know, your friendship and, and just, you know, like you say, having the best big brother in the world there? Well, they're all, um, you know, laughter is going to probably be the biggest one I have with them. Music's going to probably be the second because that's a, those are friendships. Yeah. You know, and those are the most special memories I have with Clarky. Um, you know, he's probably one of the greatest joke teller. I've heard his jokes a thousand times. I laugh the heart still. He just had a, a delivery that, and he's just the way he is. And, mm. um, you know, he just, he, he's that guy. Um, but when, um, like he didn't know it, uh, he, but he was a lot of times I jumped on his coattails. He probably didn't even know it. You know, like, okay, boys, follow me kind of thing because he's the biggest man. He's a big man presence. Mm. Um, so I, I love them for all of that. And, you know, I can, I can say, you know, all, I sat next to Dennis, Potvin for 15 years and never crossword. I known Clark since I was 15 years old. And outside of him telling me he's going to rip my head off, I said, um, never crossword with us, but, um, I said to myself, I've had great friendships and he's at the top of the top of the list as far as like best friends. He's, I've got Mike, Tiger, Clark, Dennis, all of my island buddies. And, you know, obviously, you know, um, my friends were little kid, Jensen, Serrano's, Ding Dongs and Discharge, all the guys that they are, they're best friends. And, you know, that those are the things that, you know, but it's really the stories, like the stories for Clark. For me, it's like you know, just um, just like a thousand stories about Clark, and every one of them makes me laugh, makes him laugh, and he goes, "Oh, that's your version." I'm like, "Yeah, my version is the real version." Because, <laughs> you know, like he's so funny. He's just, he's just so funny. He's just the, the greatest guy you want as a friend. Yeah. Pat Flatley told me a, a really funny one the other day. He said, uh, "I guess you know, his first year or so with the team." Uh, you guys were playing the Flyers and some, one of the Flyers was just cursing out Clarky and, you know, getting all over him and Clarky finally just reached over and punched the guy in the nose and knocked him down. And then Clarky kind of stood over him and said, boy, it's really tough to fight when you're talking, isn't it? You know? <laughs> Flats told that story at an alumni event, and we got said Clarky was in the audience. <laughs> Clark, Clark, I did. I don't remember that. Like, that's that's the funny thing about Clarky. Like, um, I was in my first, I call it my first stare down in the NHL because bumping guys in, in uh, 
in Buffalo. And Clarkie was my left winger, obviously. And, um, you know, I'm bumping guys and I hit Jerry Korav and Josh and Gouverman and Jimmy Schoenfeld. And they're getting pissed off at me because I'm just this little guy bumping them, these big monsters in Buffalo in their home building. And next thing you know, I got Jimmy Schoenfeld and King Kong Korab coming at me. And I'm like, okay, I'm backing up thinking, which one of these ding-dongs am I going to have to scrap with? And uh, I bump into Clarky, who's right behind me. And these guys just kind of veer off. And he goes, everything okay? I said, it is now. <laughs> <laughs> but he didn't even realize it. He just standing there. Yeah. Like he wasn't coming. He didn't have to jump in front of these guys. Mm-hmm. I just bumped into him. I looked over my shoulder, and there's Clarky. They just veered away. And I was like, oh, my God. It's true, right? That I mean, he wasn't. He didn't necessarily like fighting, but he did it because that's what the team needed, right? I, I always used to say, when he looks at you through his eyebrows, you're in big trouble because now he's mad. Yeah. Because when he was mad, he looked at you through his eyebrows. He'd drop his chin and look at you through his eyebrows, and I'm like, oh, he's mad. Oh, that guy doesn't realize he's mad now. Oh, well, am I ever glad he's not mad at me? Because um, I saw I saw him look at me through his eyebrows one time when I bumped him in junior, and I was face to face, and I was like, I don't want him to ever be mad at me. But it's really kind of one of those things that he didn't start a fight, he finished it. And did he win every fight? No. But one thing about him was like the guy knew he's like, oh, I don't want to ever fight this. <laughs> he fought a lot of times when he wasn't mad, and but when he was mad, he was not he was not going to lose. And I, yeah. yeah, you know, because Clarky is just, you know, was such a, a, a gentleman and a, you know, a big hearted yeah. guy. Yeah. You know, it, it's hard. Yeah, it, 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 most of the, the, the discussions I've had over the last day or two, hockey actually comes up very little. They talk about, you know, his, his philanthropy, his generosity, you know, just what he did for other people. And, you know, you, you kind of have to prod people that, oh, this is also a hockey Hall of Fame player. You know, but it's 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 him as the person that really comes through. Uh, yep, and uh, not a bigger heart, not a caring heart. First guy to cry, anything, uh, softy, and a whole bunch of things. And like it just like uh, a movie where there was a sad scene. Like you know, when my parents died, he called me. He was one of the first phone calls I got. Um, and he was just that guy that cared, and he was just that, that heart. Um, so, um, no, I, I think of Clark, the great, you know, the probably the first really prototypical power forward of the seventies, mm-hmm. you know, who was like the great goal scorer, the toughest guy, the playmaker, the presence, um, you know, the banger, the, the guy, everybody like, the Cam Neely of, you know, of, of that generation, you know, and, um, before there was, before, there, before that definition of power forward was around, you know, that he was the biggest, strongest, fastest, best, again, or best playmaker, passer, shooter, hammer, big shot, like, yeah, his hockey, Hall of Fame. But, uh, to me, he's one of the greatest people. Friends that you could have yeah. on your team. Yeah. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Did you? Um, were you? I, I forget, and I'm sorry. Were you here for the ribbon cutting ceremony, or, or did you? No, I couldn't make it. Yeah. I, was, I had an event planned. They, 
the poor island, I felt so bad for them because we called, reached out to them in April and we said, do you, you guys have anything planned? They didn't really have anything planned. Mm. I planned this First Nations event up in Canada. Mm-hmm. So and I, I just couldn't let them down. And I was mm. like, guys, I can't break this. Yeah. Um, so I feel horrible, but I'll be in for the, and then, you know, obviously the second wave of um, Omicron hit. Mm. So I, and, you know, f- my whole family, like, you know, with my son being a doctor and, um, my girlfriend's nurse were just, we're, we're, I don't want to put myself out there too much where I'm, yeah. you know, in the public, so I just got to be responsible. And so dragging, going into large crowds, I'm pretty cognizant and aware now. I just I always wear a mask and yeah. double wash my hands and that kind of stuff. So I just want to make sure that, you know, I'm, I'm being compliant and the best I could possibly be. So... I went to the First Nations, went up there, did my event, and obviously I talked to John Ledecky and everybody, and Clark, he looked great. Everybody said that he looked great there, and next thing you know, he's back in the hospital fighting something, and, yeah. you know, they, they diagnosed him with this in early December. Yeah, yeah. Boom, gone January, it's not fair. Yeah, yeah no, I, like I said, you know, because I, I, I saw him, you know, said hi quickly there because you know everyone wanted to talk to Clarky you know that day that 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 weekend but he looked you know he had the say he had the big smile on his face and just yep. seemed like he couldn't have been happier or healthier yeah it was yeah that's Clarky that's Clarky yeah I don't know <laughs> Mario put something on there's, there's Twitter and I haven't seen it yet and then someone said that you got to see this this Clarky thing the gambler on on some some other Twitter thing and yeah. so I'm slowly getting caught up here over the last two or three days because it's just been like a whirlwind. Mm-hmm. Um, for a whole bunch of reasons, I can't imagine what Pam, his wife, and family are because he's he's impacted to every degree people's lives in such a positive way. So mm-hmm. they all want to express some kind of story and share that. And yeah. yeah, and we have lots of tributes. Yeah, there's been lots of tributes. People are just pouring their hearts out to me, which is I'm saying, you know, yeah. I love it, you know, in, in one sense, but how, how overwhelming in, in another sense. But it's just been fantastic, so positive, so yeah, yeah. They did it. They did a nice tribute for him uh, before the game last night. You know, uh, the, the the video and just showing all the fan messages on the board and yeah, you know, it, it was it was really nice. It, it, it was Good. tasteful and and yep. I, you know he would have enjoyed that. <laughs> yeah, I know. And that's, yeah. that's just that, you know, he's one of those guys when we lose somebody like Al or Bill or, you know, um, he, he's the guy that we all like, we, we know he hurts the most, but he's also the guy we lean on the most. And, yeah. Cause he's going to cheer us up. He's going to do something that's going to make us laugh. He's going to bring laughter back. He's going to make, you know, the, the joy of life back. And remember, remember we, you know, and I said, I'm going to honor this guy. Like, I want to honor this guy. He's like, no, nobody else. Like, he's, uh, He's like a brother and he's family and he always will be. But I think he's one of the, he's, he's one of our first players to pass, like, you know, on that 80s team. So, like, we lost our coach, our GM, and mm. one of our trainers. So this is the first player. So it's impact us all a little, little differently, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. Hey, uh, just, I, I know you, you play guitar, right? Um, Chico. <laughs> Chico was I strum the guitar every day. I yeah. strum the guitar every day. Yeah. I, I grew up in a family band, and uh, I was a bass player, and I, I taught myself through Dad yeah. to, to, to strum a guitar and learn all these songs that we played as a family. And so, yeah, I can I can play with any band, play any song, pretty much. But no, yeah. I'm not a professional by any means. But I 
I can strum a guitar. Yeah. Well, Chico was saying that uh, that uh, Clarky liked singing Bobby Darren. Uh, Darren. I, I was just wondering whether uh, he, he you ever played and he sang with you or anything like that. Yeah, we did. We did quite a few events together where Clarky was my singer and I was the guitarist. And uh, his probably his most famous song that he never, whenever he sang, was The Gambler. And he yeah. always liked Folsom Prison. Those were his two go-tos. Yeah. He did Friends at Lone Places. And then he had a repertoire of other ones. I don't know if he sang a Bobby Darren with me, but he did Blue Suede Shoes. And, um, he did a lot of fun, upbeat songs that would always just put a smile on his face. And he'd say, yeah, you know, I don't know if you guys know Elvis Presley, but yeah, here's one him and I wrote a long time ago. <laughs> Boom, for your money, two, for the shoes. And he would, and he'd blare it out, and people would be clapping, and he had a good voice. Like, he, he sang very well. Like, he did Gambler as good as anybody I've ever heard, and I just strum guitar and smile. And yeah, here's a song Kenny Rogers and I wrote back when you might recognize the Gambler. Start her off there, Trotter, and boom, boom, away we go. And, um, and we did a lot of events. We did, we did one for the, uh, Regina Pat's uh, centennial. Uh, there was probably you know, twelve hundred people, fifteen hundred people in the room, and he brought the house down. I, all I had to do was drum a guitar, and uh, no, he was he was an entertainer. He was a really good entertainer. I don't know anybody better on a microphone. Yeah, <laughs> that's. Uh, someone said to me that the only mic he loved more was Mike Bossy. Uh, other than <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna steal that line. Yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna steal that line. That is a good line. Yeah, yeah. I think Chico said that to me. Um, but <laughs> I also had the chance uh, amongst the the ex teammates or the teammates to speak to Chico Resch, and and before getting into that interview, just a, a bit of forewarning. Chico called me back while I was driving to a Saturday's game at UBS, and Chico, uh, who's the, the Devils radio analyst, was preparing to call the Devils game that night against the Hurricanes. So uh, please uh, give me a little bit of slack on the audio quality of this one. Like I said, Chico called me. I was in the car um, so my, my cell phone was Bluetoothed through the, uh, the, the car stereo. And, uh, I, I, I was recording this on a little digital recorder rather than it going right through a better, uh, recording device. So, uh, you know, I, I think the content is good enough, hopefully to, uh, make up for the lack of a one top notch audio quality. But, uh, we, we pick up here with Chico describing just how Clark Gillies, uh, how comfortable Clark Gillies was just being Clark Gillies. To me, Clark, you got it. Like, he, if you say somebody gets it, like, he was given a lot. He was physically, mentally, uh, he, but he never wasted it. Yeah. But everybody has this impression that he's a tough guy, right? Yeah. And Andrew, he told me, he didn't tell me, he only had to, he had 71 fights in his career. Only one time was he mad, really mad, <laughs> okay? And, uh, and I won't give you the guy's name because I don't want to put him on the spot. But anyway, but so he's got this persona. And so Lindy Rupp was telling me today that when he went to Buffalo, he and Lindy became good friends. He said, I get a call from Clarky. He says, Lindy, you got to get over here. He said, really? He said, yeah. He said, and my wife can attest to this. He said, there's a bat in the house, and I, I, I'm not sure I can get rid of it. 
<laughs> so Lindy drives over. Lindy walks in, and Clarky and Pam, and they love to snowmobile and be outdoors. He's got his snowmobile outfit on with his snowmobile helmet and a tennis racket. The big, tough Clark Gillies <laughs> taking on this bat, bat on it, and he's there. I mean, Lindy just said it was a crisis. And then, so that's the one thing I, I that's Clarky. And did they talk about his episode with um, O'Reilly? We talked about that when, uh, I don't know if you remember about uh, during the pandemic, I did a whole series on that 1980 team. And I, I yeah, I, I've talked to those guys about fighting O'Reilly and, you know, this guy was going to get this guy. One guy had Wensink, another, and, and, yeah. and Gillies had, Gillies had O'Reilly. Well, here, here's just an insight that you probably, it, it just sums up this, this guy who nobody cheap shotted him. He played it straight up. Yeah. Like he he was a power forward. He never speared. He never cross checked. Really, I mean, he just you know. And Andrew, the one thing that I remember, but he doesn't like it. He'll do it because he's a team guy, and he know you don't have to tell him. You're playing with Bossy, who's got to be protected, and Trotch and stuff. You're playing on one of the best lines. He just got it. So yeah. when Riley and them tried to intimidate us, Clarky knew he had to step up. But before game three at the Coliseum, we won the first two games in Boston. And you wouldn't know this, but it's only me and Clarky. Yeah. And I'm in the bathroom. Did I tell you this already? No, 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 no. Go ahead. This is great. Okay. So I hear somebody he's dry heaving in the, in the stall there. And I, I could see, I thought, oh, no, I saw skates. I said, Clarky, is that you? He said, yeah, yeah. I said, oh, no, you got the flu? No, no. He said, but I know. I know I got to go out there and fight O'Reilly again. And he said, it's making my stomach really upset. Oh, man. And that, But that's the kind of guy he was. Yeah. Uh, I, I will do what my teammates expect and I, how I can help them, but he wasn't like a guy that liked to be fighting. He just, he just didn't like it, and he, but he would do it. Yeah. And then that year, too, we're playing, and if somebody told me, did anybody tell you when he passed out on the bench? No, no. Okay. So I'm sitting there, I'm not playing that game, and Arbor's on the bench saying, okay, Gillies, you're up. Gillies, where's Gillies? And everybody looks down the bench. Clark has fallen over backwards off the, onto the, you know, behind the bench. And he's kind of hyperventilating. And he he he, he kind of couldn't control himself. And he hyperventilated and kind of passed out. Wow. And we, so they picked him up. But, but the point is, the great part of it is, let's, let's give the whole picture here. This is a guy that had... And we laughed about it, and he I mean he he would make faces, and I mean he was like I say I don't know what exactly he, it was it wasn't anything that occurred again. Yeah. But it was just this big, big bear that just was just a softy as much as he was tough. The only the only Mike 
He might have liked more than Mike Bossy, and he really liked Mike Bossy. Yeah. Was the Mike phone. And we would have parties. He loved to get that mic. He never met a mic. And he would sing songs, Andrew. Like, he just loved the mic. Like I say, the only mic he liked, might have loved more was Mike Bossy. But, boy, if we give him a mic, he'd go up there and tell jokes. And he'd sing Dean Martin. But his favorite was Bobby Darren. And Bobby Darren was Mac the Knife. Yeah. And he'd get up there and he'd go, when the shark bites. <laughs> oh, Mac the yeah. And, he, and he's moving his hands like it's a shark's mouth. <laughs> I mean, he he did that almost every encore. We and he just he just loved it. And, and then he'd sing some other stuff. And um, I I just say uh, we all can be we can all have irritating things about us. And we all do, Andrew. Every one of us. But I couldn't find Clarky. I couldn't find something about Clarky that really irritated us. Me. I, it was just a gift. Yeah. It, you know, you, and like I say, you have to mention Pam, his lovely partner, wife, teammate. And I remember every comedian, they need a, a good audience. Yeah. And Pam Gillies was a great audience. I can still see that, her just giggling and laughing and just loving Clarky, uh, you know, for uh, what he was. And so they were, as you know, they were... Childhood sweetheart from from Moose Jaw. Yeah. We were born in the same uh, hospital, Clarky and I, in the Providence Hospital, Moose Jaw. But uh, you, you know, she was so much a part of who Clarky was, and you know, and I, I just oh, I've always kind of thought of them as a team, at least in our inner circle. But right, you know, so it's a. Uh, yeah, and, and, and the, the the one thing I, I have heard about Clark for his, you know, as fun-loving as he was, and, you know, life of the party, and, you know, telling the bad jokes, but also, you know, such a, a tough guy on the ice, he was like a big softy, right? He was an emotional softy, in a way. Well, that's what I hope I was telling you. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's why I made yeah. those stories, because... That's what it's about, Andrew, is that he he had these soft spots. And I like particulars. I mean, he just was, he was comfortable in his skin, and he, he was who he was, and he didn't, like, he didn't try to put on an arrogant air or a tough guy air. He, like I say, he wasn't intimidated. Right. And quite honestly, he wasn't deliberately imitate, tried to imitate someone uh you know what i mean intimidate someone yeah he he didn't and that's what i loved about him he wanted to play hockey just straight up yeah. like let's just play hard even though he was the ultimate power forward from that era actually in some ways i will tell you bobby nystrom was every bit as tough as, as clark gillies but the difference was nye played third and fourth line yeah. And he knew his role was more of that. And so I, I don't even know that if – I don't know that Clarkie was the most intimidating guy on our team. Uh -huh. Gary Howell is, is tough. But Clarkie just knew when it was time for the big bear to step in, and, and he did that a uh, number of times. What, what was it like, you know, once you got traded to Colorado and then you come back with Jersey – 
what was it like for you playing against Clark all those times? Oh, it was fun. I got a great picture. I wish I could send you, but I would never get it by tomorrow. Yeah. It's, it's Clarky standing over me. I'm with the Devils, and I'm on the ice, and I'm looking. You can see my eyes. He's got a big smile on his face. <laughs> and he's saying, Chica, you were lucky on that one. Come on. <laughs> I mean, he, he just, everything he did, he was trying to make light. Yeah. So there was a, like, here's what he would do. And I hope Denny doesn't mind. But this is the essence of Clarky. So Clarky shows me this picture out of the, out of the um, uh, program. Yeah. And this is when he's handed off the, um, the captaincy to Denny, right? I told right. you that. And they're in front, and Boss and Trotz, and Clarky's there, and Denny's there. Now, Denny was a different player, and Clarky and Denny were just best friends, but but, Clark, but Denny wore this intense look sometimes. He, so I think they had just scored a goal. So Denny's in the picture, uh, and he's got this intense look, like, yeah, you know, it looked, but you could also, you could also say he was upset. It was one of those looks, you knew he was just intense, he wasn't angry, but you could, you could take it either way. And Clarkie said to me, <laughs> still makes me laugh, Andrew. Yeah. He says, see the picture here? See that look on Denny? I just told him, because Denny had shot the puck from the point. <laughs> he said, I just told him, I think I touched it. <laughs> which, <laughs> which, you know, when you think you scored the goal and the guy says, I think I touched it. But it wasn't really that. But Clarky turned that into, um, you know, a funny, funny, hilarious line, you know. Yeah. And uh, he just always was looking, you know, to make... Uh, something lighter and um you know he was telling me too uh, we all loved al arbor yeah and Al loved him clerky wanted to have fun but but not during the games i mean i don't want like i played with some guys andrew yeah. who just they, they never got serious right and they were fun loving and they were good players but but we were having that big meeting with al arbor and he put an egg at all of our stalls and um, we were supposed to put him in our jacket pocket. We were flying commercial then back from Chicago. We'd gotten beat 8 nothing or something. And he was, we were supposed to put those in our jacket pockets and not take our jackets off for the rest of the night. He says, I guarantee you none of you will break those eggs in your jacket. So put them in there. He's giving this nice little analogy story. And I'm looking over there, and I see Pat Price get up. And I'm seeing him going. And I'm thinking, he's not going to break that egg over Al's head, is he? This is serious stuff. <laughs> well, he did. But I look, and Clarky was already was also on his feet, was just sitting down. Yeah. And he said, "Yeah, if Pat hadn't done it, he said, Chico, I was going to do it." <laughs> uh, and I just, I'm saying, somebody might say, "Oh, but you had to know." You know, you had to know the, the, the uh, not the mechanics, but the chemistry of our room. We loved Al and respected him utmost. But there again, it was Clarky thinking, hmm, maybe I'll play a joke on Al. But, but Pricey uh, beat him to it. But I remember when he told me, he said, oh, tough. I'm sure glad that I wasn't the first up because I let Pat do it. But 
but he wasn't disrespectful. He, uh, he, even guys that he didn't like or something, he just wouldn't let himself kind of reveal um, anger or animosity towards someone. You just, yeah. you know, and it was, it's, it's a beautiful thing. He, Like I say, his mom and dad were very proud of him, and um, they should have been because, like I say, everything that Parkey was given, his physical frame and his skating ability, that big, he had a big slap shot. Smitty never went after him if he shot a little high. Might have gone after Boss, but anyway, I'm just kidding. But yeah. but anyway, he, he had all that physical, and then he had a wonderful balance in the mental part of his life and the game. And he just, uh, just like I said, he is not only lovable, but he was a very loving guy. And yeah, he was our big bear, that's for sure. Again, I just want to send my deep thanks to both Brian Trotty and Chico Resch uh, for being so available and free with their time, even though you know, it was talking about Clark Gilley's passing is not an easy subject to uh, talk about when, you know, it's your good friend passing away like that. And really to, to all the members of the Islanders family who took time for me this weekend, uh, you know, uh, all the respect and appreciation. But uh, finally, I'd like to put a bow on this, on, on remembering Clark Gillies by chatting with Mark Herman, who, who is one of the finest reporters and friends I, I've met in this business. Uh, uh, Mark knew Clark not only from the ice rinks, but from the golf courses where Clarky so loved to be. So as I mentioned earlier, it's it's great to talk to uh, my friend Mark Herman here. Uh, you know, after talking to Brian Trottier and Chico Resch, Mark's going to try and uh, wrap a bow on this and bring some perspective. Hmm. And uh, it, it was great working with you, Mark, over the weekend again. You know, with or without Newsday, <laughs> uh, I, I think I, I've known you since the early you know nineteen nineties, yeah. and uh, just uh, fantastic working with you. And uh, if people haven't read Mark's great piece on uh, on Clark Gillies and his ties to Long Island and what Long Island meant to him and what he meant to Long Island, I, I, I urge everyone to go <laughs> to Newsday.com backslash aisles and find Mark's story. So uh, just remind everyone, when when were the dates you were on the new, on the Islanders beat for Newsday? I was on through from 89 through 93, uh, early 93. From the people who were lucky enough to cover the Islanders during the glory years, uh, they say that it was uh, George Vesey specifically said is the greatest bunch that he ever covered. And I think Gillies was a was a big, big part of that. The, the fellows, not only were they great players, but they're great in articulating what what happened. I, I forget who it was. But one of the reporters told me that uh, they'd go to talk to Mike Bossy. And, you know, he, he can ask you a question and he'd give, roll his eyes and give you a, a look like, oh, do I really have to do this? And it'd give you the greatest insight into 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 the hockey game that you could imagine. But Gillies was always great that way, too. He uh, he had a, a, a real sense for um what happened in a game and how to articulate it i'm just going back uh, like you said you, you know you, you sort of caught the tail end of gilly's career yeah. with the sabers how how weird was that to see clark gilly's in a buffalo uniform in I, I remember in fact i was covering a rangers game uh once before i was uh on the islander beat i was covering the rangers game and he was in the in the press box because he wasn't playing that night and 
and it had to be very weird for him. But I, rem- I remember distinctly how he was saying how he loved it up there. You know, he was just one of those guys that uh, that it, it, wherever you put him, he was going to like it and he was going to flourish. Yeah, probably more of your interactions with, with Gillies obviously came after he retired. Yeah. And a lot came on the golf course. Can you give yeah. the listeners a sense? Because I know he was a scratch golfer. Just how talented a golfer was this guy? Well, first of all, he could hit it a mile. He, he was he was a big long hitter, um, but also he had he had great touch, and because he was a natural athlete, a professional baseball player, um, and he, so he, he had he had great touch around the greens too. And he took great pride in in winning the club championship at the Huntington Crescent Club, including I think like when he was about sixty. Uh, I, I think he said that he he was really happy about that because you know the. Young guys in these clubs, they 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 can kick and hit it miles, and he was so happy that uh, that he could not only stay with them but beat them. But he was very talented guy. He used to play in celebrities horror events too, and obviously, like everything else he did, he turned that into a great positive in, in a way of helping people because uh, he had a uh, his foundation had a tournament uh, a fundraiser every year at Meadowbrook Club, and uh, Mario Lemieux would come and a lot of other stars and. Uh, that that's he he had that that golden touch that uh, anything he did he wanted to make sure other people benefited by it yeah and, and i'm sure uh, the the rock on tour that he was he was probably just you know un uh, what unplugged on, yeah. on golf course <laughs> with, with, with with the stories he told and you know just I, everyone I, I talked to just like he loved being around people and I'm sure on the golf course that was especially true you know I heard another story yesterday after all of our stories are put in the paper one of uh, my longtime colleagues and one of my favorite ones Joe Donnelly he, he, he covered baseball for years he's one of the one of the one of my mentors but also one of the real classy guys and after his sports writing career uh, he spent a lot of time caddying and wow. he used to caddy at the, at the at the Huntington Country Club and Huntington Crescent Club. And he caddied for Gillies. And he said that, uh, you know, he never made a big deal about how he was. He used to be at Newsday or I think he might have even been still at Newsday when he when this happened. But uh, he went out to uh, it was a real cold fall day. And uh, there's a there's a, a like a halfway house between the ninth and the tenth holes at Huntington Crescent Club. And Joe went out there to midway down the, the, the fairway just to kind of wait for uh, with, the, with the clubs and kind of wait for Gillies to come through. And he Joe said he was freezing. Gillies comes down after hitting his tee shot and it's a great tee shot as always. And he had a, 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 a cup of, uh, of hot soup to give to Joe. <laughs> just a, and then, like I said, he didn't know that he was Joe Donnelly, a longtime baseball writer. He just thought he was a guy. And Joe said that ever, every time after that, every time he saw him, uh, he says, hi, Joe. You know, he, he remembered him. And it's, I, but I think yeah, this, one of his friends told me that um, that's one of the things that you knew, identified you as a Long Islander. Someplace along the line, you met Clark Gillies. Yeah. <laughs> well, and in, in your story, and again, I, I urge everyone to go to newsday.com backslash Isles and, and, and read Mark's piece if you haven't already. You, you speak to a lot of his friends. And uh, the line that got me was uh, you, you quoted Clark saying he never said A 
anymore. Yeah, yeah. He's a Long <laughs> Islander, right? Yeah, that's a, that's a, that's how I kind of uh, encapsulated his uh, his metamorphosis from this uh, this kid from uh, Saskatchewan. You know, everybody asked him where is Moose Jaw, and he said uh, six feet from the moose's backside. Well, he didn't say backside. <laughs> but I think that he 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 found right away, and I give Eddie Westfall credit for this. Uh, Clark knew how much the Islanders meant to Long Island. And I've thought about this over the last couple of days. He not only knew how much the Islanders meant to Long Island, he helped make it that way. Because I was, I was there. I was, I was back when I was, I was a fan back in those days in 1972, 73. I was at their first exhibition game. I saw Glenn Sather score the first ever goal in Nassau Coliseum. He was then a member of the Rangers. I was at the first uh, regular season game against the fellow uh, expansion uh, Atlanta Flames. And, you know, it was good. The Islanders were, you know, they were a bad team, but it was kind of a novelty. And the second year, kind of the same. But when Gillies got there uh, in 74, 75, the team really meant something. And I think it was during that playoff run. I've always felt this. And uh, some of the players did, too. During that playoff run in 74, 75, um, they really connected with the island. And I think that connection is still there. And I think he had a big part of it because of. I'll never forget the back page of the New York Post. I was, I was in college at the time and I didn't see any news reports the night before. And I went bought the New York Post the next day. And on the back page, Gilly sees the opening. This, this say he, uh, he scored the winning goal in the first ever playoff game. And that, was, that, was, that kind of sent them on their way. Yeah, yeah. Were you uh, were you there for the parades? Uh, any of the parades? And uh... I know I because no, I, I live out, out pretty far out east, so I'm far yeah. from that. But I, I didn't stop me from getting to the games. I was there to see uh, uh, Bobby Nystrom's goal. I, I I I was in section two eighteen, and I and I didn't obviously didn't see it at the time. But I, I Gillies was was. Uh, humble enough to say that he was like the one person in the building who didn't see the goal because he <laughs> he just gotten off the ice and he was he, he was gassed and he was looking down <laughs> and all of a sudden what's everybody excited about <laughs> hey, what what struck you you know as you talked to people and you wrote that article yeah. what, what really stood out to you you know writing about Gillies interesting I think that his you know when he when he played you know he, he was he was he was great and 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 people appreciate him, but my sense the overwhelming sense is people appreciate him more now than they did when he played, because mm-hmm. uh, when he played he he played with the with, with Bossy and 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 Trotz and he and and Denny Potvin and Billy Smith and, and you know he was considered really good, but I think he became larger than life the more that he was around and the more he was around the island and and I, I appreciated the, the fact and I mentioned this too that. He was never a, well, you know, in our day, you know, things are so much better in our day. He just, he, he relished being around current players. He admired their skill and, and he always rooted for them. I, I think that, that that's, that's one thing. He, he became, he became like a, a different kind of a, a Islander icon after he played. Because uh, I think he, he got to, he, he did get a little short shrift of playing with so, such great players. But I think he always took pleasure and took pride in the fact. I think that he said this at his Hall of Fame uh, induction, which I was at. I said that uh, he took pride in the fact that maybe in a way he helped make the other guys better. And they all felt that he did. Yeah. Have you ever come across a, a bigger 
guy with a tougher on ice image yeah more of a teddy bear and just <laughs> a, an emotional wreck yeah. sometimes yeah. that's what the, his friend jim johnson who's my friend too said that uh he was, he's like a, a classic m&m hard on the outside and inside just mushy and sweet <laughs> yeah you know a lot of it a lot of the guys a lot of tough guys uh in, in hockey have been pretty good guys but Gillies took that as a step further, you know, that everything that that he did had a, had a great, great sense of uh, of philanthropy and, 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 and humaneness. And that, that that's but I think that kind of that kind of cemented his legacy on the island, too. Yeah. It, you know, it's, it's kind of a futile game to play, but you brought up, you know, how much he admired modern yeah. players. Yeah. I've never thought about what Gilly's game would look like yeah. in the NHL today, because he wouldn't have been required yeah. to be the protector. That yeah, yeah. 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 And maybe, maybe he'd be more of a scorer. Um, yeah. That could very well be because he, he definitely, you know, he had 38 goals one season. He had six 30 goal seasons. He could score, you know, and maybe part of that is because uh, you know, they, they were the other teams are busy focusing on Trottier and Bossy, uh, but he didn't always play with them. I think uh, later yeah. he, he was he was he was Butch Goring's winger. Uh, um, so I, I think it, it's it's an interesting thing. He was he's the quintessential power forward, but uh, power forward is different. But I'm sure he could have uh, could have been quite a quite a player. Who knows what kind of a baseball player he could have been? You know, I think. They, the Astros thought that thought a lot of him. Uh, Pat Gillick, who became a, the Hall of Fame executive, uh, he was he was the, the minor league guy with the Astros, and he gave him five thousand dollars, which you know in the early seventies was a, was a lot of money for a, for a bonus baby. But Gillick just thought you know hockey is where uh, where his heart was and where his greatest skill was. Yeah, I think he would have been a masher. Yeah, he absolutely yeah. would have been a mash. But he was a big guy. I think he. Uh, was he a third baseman or a first baseman? First baseman, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He, uh, just a, an incredibly athletically. It's amazing, you know, you, you, you think about Clark and he's just the best of everything, right? Just yeah. incredibly athletically gifted, yeah. Uh, yeah. just a, a physical specimen. And then you, you throw this personality on top. You know, as, as I think Chico Resch said, you know, the – the only mic that uh, that that Clarky loved more than a microphone was Mike Bossy, right? <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, he just yeah. had this natural ability. You, you kind of, I, I was talking to Bob Nystrom, and yeah. Bob Nystrom said he envied, uh, yeah. he envied Clarky. And I so said, that, you know, yeah. I said, you know, given how. And I said to Bob, I, I said, given how your reputation, uh, you know, Mr. Islander, Mr. Yeah. Nice, you know, yeah. the nicest guy in the world, for you to say you envy Clark Gillies, I think, says absolutely everything. Yeah, he had a lot of intang intangibles with him. And I'm just thinking back on it now. Uh, the story I did from Toronto the night he got uh, inducted to the Hall of Fame was the headline was The Intangible Islander. Hmm. And I think there was some controversy as there always is with the uh, with hall of fame inductions and there are a lot of people who didn't think gillies quite measured up because if you look at his statistics that you know but that, i think this is a, a great way to say that the uh, analytics and statistics are great I'm, I'm a big backer of them but they're not everything and yeah. there's a lot to gillies that couldn't be quantified that uh, 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 a lot that that he did for everybody on that on, on that ice, 
I, I'll never forget just another example that the, when I was on the beat, uh, the Islanders traded for Ken Baumgartner, who wasn't the player that uh, the, the Gillies was, but he was, but he was a force. And they, 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 they played, they're having a terrible year, but they played at Chicago Stadium, which is a very intimidating place with the Oregon and everything like that. And they won. They won that game and they won on a bit of a, a run. But I remember somebody on the, on the Blackhawks said, you know, with Baumgartner in, in the lineup, every one of those Islanders was six inches taller. They, they played that way. And I think Gillies did a lot of that, too. So I think there were a lot of intangibles about him. Uh, you know, we, we see him as this, this great guy. But I mean, uh, uh, he, uh, he he just he just made everybody a little braver. And in the time when he played, that was important. That, that was that was important to have and important to be. Do you remember the fight he had with Dave Schultz and so? Oh yeah, because I I, I I watched it and and I I was because I, I remember going to those games and I went to uh, I went to Game Four uh, at at the Coliseum and uh, I remember I was there with my sister and and a couple of relatives and she said ah well this could be our last time but then they pulled that one out and then they they really outplayed the Flyers in Game Five and as they as is want uh, as was the want in those days. Uh, Schultz wanted to send a message kind of like for the next game to say, okay, you're not going to push us around. And he's just, he just pummeled him. I, I remember watching it live and it was uh, uh, for, for someone pulling for the Islanders. It was one of the greatest things ever. <laughs> and I don't know if Schultz was ever the same after that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, while well, he was, he was gone from the flyers, not too long after, yeah. after the Stanley cups and he, you know, once once a guy like Schultze, you know, gets beat up, you know, yeah. not just by Gillies, but you know, yeah. other people in the league, yeah. he wasn't invincible anymore. Yeah, that, so. and then he didn't have he didn't have the, the the same value, you know, for for yeah. his team these days. The, the, nobody has a guy like that anymore. You you got to be able to skate. You got to be able to play. But in those days, he was he was a factor. And and I think the um, I remember Emil Francis said back then that. Uh, the Flyers, uh, their philosophy back then was, well, we're going to do as much as we possibly can uh, in, in terms of rough stuff and maybe a little dirty play because they can't call everything. <laughs> <laughs> but I think, you know, that 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 Gillies fight, that, that kind of changed the uh, the change of the sea. You know, they, they, they won the they won the Stanley Cup that year. The, the, the Flyers did. But it, it, things things were a little different. Yeah, and to your point uh, and to Emil Francis's point. Clark Gillies was the antithesis of a dirty yeah. player. I mean, yeah, yeah. he could protect himself. He could protect yeah. his teammates, but he never went looking for that stuff. Yeah, never looked and, and, and he played the game straight, yeah. you know, a hundred percent of the time. Yeah. yeah. And I think the other thing about that year, and I, 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 I've, I've always felt this, that, you know, there's some, there's a lot of emphasis obviously on the four Stanley cups, but that, um, that 75 playoff run, was really really important and remains so because they established the identity i think to this day i think the last couple of years that the islanders had they kind of still uh, evoked the, the spirit that that 75 team had that really put them on the map they uh, they, they came of age they kind of grew up and everybody had to take them seriously that was only the third year they were in existence and and two years before that they were historically bad but and, and, and Gilly was was a big part of him, just a rookie, you know. JP Parisi, that, that that's kind of an interesting thing too. That uh, um, Gilly's rooting for Zach Parisi, but he played with JP, and it's, they're very good friends, obviously. And um, but I think that team really, really 
established, created a niche for the Islanders on Long Island, you know, that it really in the fabric of the island, not just the, you know, uh, some, like a, a something to do on a Saturday night. You know, I, I, I just want to, I wish we could talk all day, but uh, I, I just want to wrap up with this. You know, when, when we talk about Clark Gillies passing and, uh, you know, I think it was Chico mentioned to me, you know, Mr. Torrey has passed away. Al Arbor's passed yeah. away. Some of the off ice staff. Yeah. You know, yeah. Is, but, but Clark is the, the, the first real player yeah, right? yeah. Who, who has passed away. And uh, Chico was just reflecting on that. And I, I think the overwhelming sense is, you know, if you're of a certain age and you yeah. have to see those guys live, it's the, the reason we're all gutted over this. Yeah. Besides the fact of how nice a human being yeah, yeah, yeah. was, is it's, it's kind of, you know, taking away your childhood yeah. in a way. Yeah, it's true. I went through this when, you know, Mickey Mantle died. Uh, and, but, and it's the same thing here. It's, it's uh, you know, this is somebody of kind of, of, of your vintage, kind of your age. And it, it really stops you in your track. And especially him, because if, if you thought any of those guys was invulnerable, it was him. Yeah. And, and kind of set you back a little bit. And But that's, you know, that, 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 that's life. And you just got to keep going. Once the pain passes, I mean, I think all of us, every time we think of Clarkie, we're just going to remember the big smile and the yeah. laughs. <laughs> yeah, I think we're going to have a smile. Everybody will. And I, I, I do, too. So. Yeah. Well, listen, Mark, it, it's been great, you know, chatting with you and, and getting to work with you again. I hope, you know, under better circumstances, yeah. we can do it on, on some other topic. But uh, listen, I, I'm wishing you all the best and, uh, you know, stay well, my friend. Same here. And I, I will say as, a, as someone who's just who's back to being a spectator now, who's, who's, who follows, I watch every game, but I just want to say thanks to you uh, for, for all you do and keeping those of us uh, who are on at the games or, or uh, up to date on everything. So I appreciate how hard it is now to, to do this, especially <laughs> in, in, the, in the COVID age. So thank you for, for, for all of that. And I, I do appreciate it. As, as a fan, I appreciate it. I appreciate that. I mean, it, it's still hockey, but I, I, I appreciate that. Thank you so much, Mark. My pleasure. So thank you again so much to Brian Trottier and to Chico Resch and to Mark Herman and to all the members of the Islanders family I spoke with this weekend. Again, you can find all those stories, including uh, Mark Herman's brilliant piece on on Clark Gillies and his relationship with Long Island. Uh, you can find all those stories uh, celebrating Gillies' life at Newsday.com backslash aisles and we'll get back to some on the ice hockey talk next episode but until then stay safe and healthy everybody and 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 my deepest condolences and thoughts to Clark Gilly's wife Pam his entire family and everybody who knew and loved Clark Gilly's rest in peace big guy <laughs>